This podcast is sponsored by thevalleygivesback.org. Hey everybody, welcome back to Naval Gazing, the Valley Indie Podcast. My name is Eugene Driscoll and I am a reporter, I think, with valleyindie.org. Today my guest is Rebecca Toms, a communications specialist with the Valley United Way. Welcome back to the podcast, Becca. Thank you so much. It's great to be here, Eugene, and thanks for including Valley in Midway in this awesome podcast that you do. So grateful for all that you do in the Valley. Oh, uh, no problem. I'm just glad that I can hear you. That's that we've cleared one major <laughs> hurdle. It's not always the case. So today, Becca is going to talk with us about two issues. First, this year's Harvest House, which, like everything else during this pandemic, is being done virtually this year. So we're going to talk about that. Then we're going to talk about the United Way's Alice Report and what the collection of this data in the document means, I thought maybe for Ansonia and Derby specifically. But before we get into those discussions, I'd like to read you a message from our sponsor, valleygivesback.org. While giving back is always in season, now is a great time to plan your gift. Name a Valley nonprofit in your estate plan and create a legacy that tells future generations what mattered to you. With a planned gift, you have the power to impact the Valley forever without affecting your current lifestyle. Your action will inspire others to make a difference in their own way. Remember the Valley. Ask your accountant, financial planner, or attorney about planned giving options. Plan now, give later, impact tomorrow. Learn more at valleygivesback.org. All right. So thank you very much, valleygivesback.org. As I say that, Becca, I have this, you know, I listen to myself after I record these things and I have this terrible habit of like taking deep breaths in. I think I have like a deviated septum. So I'm very self-conscious about that. So basically I'm holding my breath for like 45 seconds. My face is red right now. So uh, I apologize if I pass out during this, but, uh, from God, I, please don't. <laughs> from what I understand, Becca, let's enough of my my lame jokes. But there's a major there's a major effort happening right now at the Valley United Way, and it's called Harvest House. Um, yeah. What is it, and how can we help? Of course. Well, Harvest House, as some of the listeners may know, is an annual event the Valley United Way has been putting on for years where typically we meet at Veterans Park under the pavilion in Shelton, and we literally build a house of food. Um, it's pretty amazing. Last year, we had tons, literally tons of food 
that was donated by the local community and in partnership with uh, Prudential, who gave a, a hefty sponsorship to really provide a lot of non-perishable and, more importantly, healthy food options for the five local pantries that are in our community. So this year, as many of you probably are suspecting, it's gone virtual. Um, and basically, that means that we can't all gather together and build a giant house. But we're still trying to really offset some of the needs that the five pantries are facing right now. Um, it's Even though we can't collect cans of food and boxes and things like that, the need is really so much greater uh, for our five pantries. And I'm just going to list those off real quick. Um, we have St. Vincent de Paul in Derby, um, Spooner House in Shelton, the Ansonia Salvation Army, obviously in Ansonia, Seymour uh, Oxford Food Bank, and the Kathleen, Kathleen Samella uh, Food Pantry, also in Ansonia. So those are the five food banks that we support through Harvest House. And basically what we're doing this year is we're just asking for monetary donations. Individuals can go on to valleyunitedway.org and um, find their way to Harvest House. They can either uh, check it out on our homepage or they can go backslash Harvest House, add that to the end of the website and donate there. There's a shopping page, so you can pretend that you're shopping <laughs> for um, the literal Harvest House. Um, and all of those proceeds will be gathered together and distributed to the five pantries at the very beginning of November. Um, we yeah. are hoping to raise, we have a very ambitious goal of, of raising $10,000 for the pantry. So we have until October 31st to do that. Yeah, I'm looking at the website uh, right now, and I'll include it in the article that accompanies this podcast. But if you're listening on YouTube or on iTunes, I'll also include a link in the description. But uh, yeah, Harvest House 2020, we've gone virtual. Donate between now and October 31st. As we record this, it's October 6th, so we're already uh, well into October. Help uh, the mm -hmm. Valley United Way raise $10,000 for the community food pantries. And I think kudos to you for mentioning the food pantries. You know, sometimes I don't see the forest through the trees. I assume that people are aware of where food banks are uh, in the Valley, which People are not, and as the economic impact from COVID-19 continues to roll over us in various ways, I just noticed the other day on an Ansonia community forum on Facebook, someone was asking, where are where where, where can I get help, essentially? So people can go mm -hmm. to thevalleyunitedway.org. There is a section. It's very easy to find the food banks. There's a listing right there on the Valley United Way. People can also go to 211ct.org or dial 211. And uh, all the, the addresses and phone numbers for each pantry uh, that'll first that'll benefit from from Harvest House is listed there. Uh, and there's also a link for the CT Mobile Pantry schedule. So uh, very important to support Harvest House this year, especially probably uh, not to uh, throw out a cliche, but probably now more than ever. And uh, Becca, do you find uh, I mean, you're the communication specialist. 
so maybe this question isn't directly uh, for you, but how is the Valley United Way doing in terms of its annual fund? I mean, the Valley United Way exists solely to help people uh, in the Valley, and, and you do that by, by raising money so you can uh, help others. So what is that mm -hmm. effort like, and how is it affected by COVID? Well, uh, great question, <laughs> as usual. Um, so it's it's looking a little different this year, obviously. Uh, a lot of the work that goes into raising funds is engaging with uh, corporations and workplaces. So a lot of businesses do workplace campaigns where we actually, in non-COVID times, would come into the business, do a presentation, um, get everybody excited about supporting their community. Uh, maybe some activities would take place with our um, campaign partners at the different corporations. And all that would culminate in uh, a lot of funds being raised for our community. That is not happening this year. Everything, again, is being done virtually. And, you know, it's a little bit more difficult because, one, um, people, you know, are always multitasking <laughs> when, especially if there's a, a Zoom call or something, I know I can, I can confess to it too. <laughs> um, so, you know, we don't know if we're holding people's attention so much if they, if a workplace does do a virtual campaign takeoff or something like that. But more importantly, the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted everybody at every income level. So people that usually were willing to give, maybe they can't do that at this point in time because they have been impacted financially in ways that they weren't expecting. So, yeah, it's a challenge this year. Um, and I'll be very straightforward about that. Um, but we're still hopeful. Uh, we're excited about the opportunity that we have to work with partner corporations to try to raise funds for the community. And uh, we really believe that the, this community, the Valley community, is going to step up and um, is really invested in making sure that our community is whole and succeeds. So we're excited to see the community rise to that occasion. And I'm on the Valley United Way website right now, valleyunitedway.org, and there are multiple ways people can help if you're listening to this and you want to take some action, as opposed to being, like I do, just getting mired in social media and politics <laughs> and just everything negative. You can actually take positive action by going to the Valley United to valleyunitedway.org. Donate now for uh, coronavirus response, or uh, slightly uh, down on the page, you can give to give directly to the to Valley United Way. And there's also some there's great data on there. Uh, the Valley uh, has helped. Uh, the Valley United Way has helped uh, eleven thousand. No, I'm sorry, one hundred and ten thousand. 162 Valley residents. There's been almost six thousand requests for assistance. Uh, there's more than 7,800 hours of service. So please, this is definitely, it's one of the pillars of our community here in the Valley. And I get worried that we just take it for granted because, you know, the, the organization needs support. So uh, moving on, uh, mm -hmm. the Alice Report. This is 
a fascinating document. I know there are a lot of Valley Indie readers on Facebook who like to go and take deep dives uh, into uh, data, much, so, much more so than, than I can. Uh, it's, it's nice that the readers are so much smarter than me, but I would recommend, uh, in addition to donating to the Valley United Way, check out the Alice document because it gives you a real uh, glimpse of how people are doing, at least financially, uh, in the, the lower Naugatuck Valley. So I wrote, and I'm sorry to blab on and on, but I, I was looking in preparation for this podcast. I wrote a story about the first Alice report back on December 9th, 2014. And back then I must've been sort of inspired, but the lead was you're putting off roof repairs, hoping for a good check come tax return time. The mechanic says your car needs a timing belt, but you're still paying the credit card bill from the brake jobs over the summer. Christmas is here. This was written in December, but your gift is be your gift list is being choked to death by letters from the hospital asking for a copay from that little trip. Uh, your son took to the hospital a few months back. Your credit cards are maxed. Your income is flatlined, but your town taxes go up every year. You're not alone. So that was the intro to Alice in 2014. And I can reveal now every one of those examples was from my personal life. That's exactly what I was going through uh, at that particular moment when I wrote uh, the story. So uh, what's interesting, like we all can sort of identify with paying the bills. It's always difficult. But what's wonderful about the Alice report is that it takes those examples, uh, relatable, but, but quantifies them. Uh, is that right? So tell me what the Alice report stands for. What is Alice and what's the goal of this report, Becca? Sure. So the Alice report is um, basically Alice stands for asset limited, income constrained, employed. Uh, and basically it's individuals that are above the federal poverty limit uh, as established by the government. Uh, and often the limit that's used to uh, determine whether you can access certain services. Um, but it's still, as we're finding out in these reports, not enough to make ends meet, not enough for people to pay for their essentials, uh, their, their household survival budget. So a lot of people that are maybe working two jobs, they're the home health aid workers, the cashiers, um, mechanics, things like that. People that are really working hard, but because of the cost of living in Connecticut, just can't make ends meet. So that's the population that we're really focusing on with the Alice Report. is people that make too much money to get federal assistance or state assistance but not enough to actually cover all of the costs that they encounter on uh, a weekly or monthly basis. Yeah, and it's fascinating because the other thing that this report uh, underlines is how many people are just one paycheck away from being in trouble or one event, one emergency away from being in trouble, whether it be a, a sudden hospitalization what that can do to somebody's finances who is working, uh, who might mm -hmm. have, uh, who might be living in a two income household, how vulnerable a, a large percentage of our population, especially locally uh, is. And I guess, did you want to go over, you had sent me a link to uh, the, the uh, a, a page from the Valley United way that looks specifically 
uh, at Valley Households, and it breaks it down. This is is very interesting. It breaks it down by town of the Valley United Way's coverage area, which includes Antonio Derby, Oxford, Seymour, and Shelton. So uh, actually, where can people get this information too if they want to read it on their own after this broadcast? Where can we get the Valley United Way's Alice Report? Sure. So um, the one pager, there's a one pager that has done a really brief description for kind of what Alice looks like in our five-town region of the Lower Naugatuck Valley. And right now that's on social media, but I will put it on our website alongside of the Alice report. Um, the full Alice report can be accessed as well on our website, allunitedway.org. So um, right now, the the full one-pager um, kind of summarizing Valley United Way is on Facebook, so you can also access it there. Um, but it's... It's, it's very interesting, um, this, this one pager, when you take a, a brief look at it, I think one of the things that's really kind of shocking to me is looking at the annual total for two adults, an infant, and a preschooler, a four-person household. They come up with a household survival budget, Alice, to kind of take into perspective what does it cost um, for someone to kind of make it uh, for for a month in our region, and it basically for a family of four costs about seven thousand five hundred sixty one dollars to nine hundred fifty eight dollars nine hundred five hundred and four uh, nine thousand five hundred forty eight dollars. <laughs> Numbers can be hard to get out sometimes. No, I hear um, you. But. But that comes out to an annual total, and that annual total is $90,700 to $114,000. That's quite a hefty sum of money. That a lot um, of people are and, not making. Yeah, yeah. So if you look at the statistics in our area of the Lower Naugatuck Valley, and again, this is Oxford, Seymour, Ansonia, Derby, Shelton. That's about 40% of the population that is not making that. They, they cannot meet that. And yes, that includes individuals that are in the federal poverty uh, limit, but overall, all that small section of um, the, the people in our community, that's only about 8%. The rest of that 40%, which would be obviously 32 are hardworking individuals who still can't pay for their their everyday needs. So um, I think one of the things that Alice the Alice report really puts out there is is posing the question: Are we doing this right? You know, what do we need to do to change? How can we make this better for our residents that are working so hard to contribute to the community? and are part of our neighborhoods. Um, so, yeah, that's a kind of yeah, it's, overarching view. <laughs> it's interesting because, as you mentioned before, I mean, I think, and some of this is, is personal opinion, which I know people hate when reporters do that, but I think there's a tendency as someone who is on social media all the time, and I've been a reporter for like 20 years now, 
uh, 11 or so here uh, in the Valley, I think people have come conditioned to the poverty rate there. And they're, they're, there's, there's a tendency among people to look down their noses at the poverty rate. Uh, they, there's this feeling that, well, people could just raise them, themselves up by their, by their bootstraps. But when you look at it through the lens of Alice, yeah, these are the these are some first responders. These are uh, social workers. These are these are uh, people who have jobs uh, who, who who are doing it. It's it's amazing to me how just how vulnerable uh, many of us are. And if you look specifically, I guess Ansonia, if you look at the percentage of if you combine uh, the poverty rate with the percentage uh, of the formula outlined by Alice, it's fifty three percent of the population. Derby's fifty one percent of the population. Uh, it gets better as you get into the the suburbs, essentially. Oxford is 23%, Seymour 39%, Shelton 37%. Uh, and then just looking at, I went back and looked at the old Alice report or the my reporting on the old Alice report and Derby was 42% Alice in uh, 2014, it jumped up to 51% this time. And Sonia, slight mm-hmm. increase, 50 to 53. Seymour, mm-hmm. according to uh, my reporting, jumped 10%, 29% uh, to 39%. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's also amazing to me when you look at that one sheet there f- from the Valley United Way, looking at this Alice summary, is childcare. It lists, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it talks about. Uh, Child care, I believe, is more than housing. So people are paying more for child care on a monthly basis or on a yearly basis, according to this document, than they do for uh, their rent or in some cases mortgages, which is just, uh, I thought, I don't know, if there's anything that, is, did any particular stat jump out at you? Because that one jumped out at me. Uh, and I know I, I just, on a personal level, I think I was paying 12 grand for, for child care. Uh, a, a year. And I got to the point where I'm just like, well, you know what? My wife drives the kids to school. I'm going to work a split shift. I go get them at 2.15 and then I'm essentially offline until about five o'clock. And then I work during the night just to avoid that chunk out of my income, which I can't afford. Uh, was there, were there mm-hmm. any stats that jumped out to you or any dollar amounts in that? That's from the household survival budget, what you need to make ends meet uh, here in the Valley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, definitely childcare, uh, but also also the housing budget. So, um, you know, both of those are probably some of the biggest needs that Valley residents are facing in our community right now. Um, for childcare, part of it, especially being exacerbated by COVID nineteen, um, there are more and more what's been coined in the report as childcare deserts. So, you know, not having childcare necessarily available to you or in your region or it's filled up or, um, you know, programs that the government might have to assist you aren't available. Um, or you don't so that's a real them. struggle. Yeah, yeah. So that's a real struggle for our Valley residents. They're trying to work hard, but then all of a sudden, oh, we now have a child that has to do remote learning one day a week and I don't have anyone to stay home with my eight-year-old. So what do I do? All of the childcare uh, places are, are full 
So I have to stay home with my child and take uh, a cut and pay. Or, you know, sometimes it has come to, I need to stay home with my child because I can't find any other way to do it and I can't work a job now. So um, there's that struggle. But also with housing, uh, some people are paying 50% of their monthly income going to housing. So both of those expenses are such huge amounts, uh, such huge percentages out of an individual's monthly income that it really makes it difficult to put some money aside to save, to um, be prepared for emergencies. And uh, it it creates a a perpetual struggle. You know, um, if you don't have housing, then you you can't take care of everything else. If you don't have childcare, you can't go to work. Um, So yeah, they're, they're really tricky sort of dilemmas that individuals in the Alice community are facing on a daily basis. Yeah, this document really spells out that people are also uh, are often living on a razor blade, essentially, and that one major expense unexpected comes along. It can really just wreak havoc uh, on your life. Uh, I guess like one thing, and I don't have uh, any kind of answer for this, but I know, again, as somebody who reads social media, there is a, there, there's this sometimes uh, attitude uh, especially towards Derby and Ansonia. Well, Derby and Ansonia have always been poor. That's just the way it is. What, what this does, this just spells out the obvious. Uh, like what, what, what can this document be used for? Because it's not like the government's going to come out and just give us all housing vouchers in Derby or anything like that. What's the end goal uh, of something like the Alice Report in the Lower Naugatuck Valley? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think one of the important things to look at in the overall Alice report is looking at the, the minimum wage and looking at, you know, your regular workers wage. Is it keeping up with the cost of living in an area? So, uh, the, the Alice report in particular talks about, um, how, after the the recession in 2008 from 2010, um, how obviously there was a lot of job loss. um, And we did work our way back up from there. But all of the job gains that were really shown in Connecticut, at least, the majority of them were in in, um, low-paying jobs. A lot of them were hourly um, and without benefits. Mm. So when you have a huge chunk of your population working in those kind of more, not, they're not as secure. Uh, the finances are never secure in those sort of, um, positions because, you know, it's, if there's not enough business, your hours can get cut. Um, if something happens, your hours can get cut. <laughs> Who knows? There's all sorts of variables. So I think that's a really important thing to look at is how can we work alongside businesses to obviously help them succeed, but also consider what is the right amount that uh, the workers in our community need to be paid to, to make it. It is interesting. Um, yeah, it's like, it's and how can... 
I'm sorry. Go ahead. I interrupted. Go ahead. Well, okay. But also, how can we get people prepared for more high high paying jobs, more salaried jobs? How can we bring more salaried, high paying jobs to the area? Because obviously, the jobs that are available are the ones that are not paying enough, and that's why, you know, before COVID, uh, employment rates were so high. But that doesn't necessarily mean that people were being paid what they needed to be paid. There's so much in this report, like uh, I'm just reading parts of it over. And you bring up uh, a great point. You know, the Valley used to have the factory jobs. And and when those Mm -hmm. disappeared, they've been replaced by uh, retail to a small extent that just don't pay anywhere near what those factory jobs uh, used to pay. Uh, there used to be unions locally. Uh, that's disappeared mm-hmm. a lot. There's also, there's a section here where it talks about another point you just uh, brought up, the, the gig economy. How, yeah, a lot of people make uh, extra money doing uh, ride shares. They might go work for Uber, but those jobs are completely volatile as COVID has laid mm-hmm. bare. Uh, it's like mm-hmm. I read somewhere from somebody much smarter than me, COVID's exposed that like we're people living uh, paycheck to paycheck, working for companies that are living paycheck to paycheck, uh, governed mm-hmm. by a government that's sort of living paycheck uh, to paycheck. And it talks about the, the this, this is the Alice report uh, for, for Connecticut as a whole, how millennials are uh, dealing with a, a brunt of a lot of this where uh, the uh, 48% of millennials in the U.S. say they earn income on the side uh, compared to mm-hmm. 20, 28% of baby boomers. There's this whole cottage industry, or I think it's subsided where, uh, you know, people beat up on millennials all the time where it just, it's just not proven by data uh, mm-hmm. as in the Alice report points that out. So the whole landscape of work has uh changed uh so it's it's just really good stuff and i i highly suggest that people uh seek it out the the full report and then and then the valley uh version of it and do you know uh just i know it's been a couple of weeks since the latest update have and it's just such a crazy time in terms of covid and the state election is underway but have any state officials or federal officials or anybody on the local level politician-wise, reached out uh, and commented or talked about or planned to use this uh, document in any way to to sort of affect public policy? Uh, Yeah. So, again, um, this full report comes out of the Connecticut United Ways. So this is not just being distributed, obviously, in our valley, but it's being distributed throughout the entire state and all of the United Ways in Connecticut have kind of been working together to, um, you know, let politicians know about the information in this report. There's been town hall meetings, um, press briefings, you know, open-ended questions specifically surrounding this report. And, um, especially, you know, some of the United Ways in, in Hartford, um, in New Haven, the, the larger United Ways, they're working closely with politicians um, with this data saying, hey, this is what we're, we're showing in our community. Um, so it's very much something that's used for advocacy for the community to get them um, better assistance from the government, um, but also to let 
politicians be aware of what's happening in their communities. And, I, and I'm just reading the uh, one last part of the Alice report, the Connecticut wide uh, based on 2018 data, the economic benefit to Connecticut of bringing all households to the Alice threshold would be approximately $42.6 billion, meaning that the state's, mm-hmm. G- the state's GDP would grow by 15% according to this uh, document. So uh, mm-hmm. that's very interesting and eye-opening right there. So, uh, Becca, is there anything else you wanted to add about the Alice report that I am not asking. Um, Well, I mean, I know we've mentioned COVID, but I'm going to bring it back around. Um, So a lot of this data has actually kind of been taken from 2018. Mm. So this is a report for 2020, but we collected the data in 2018 and then worked with the data over those two years to get it to the report. So, this data does not necessarily take into um, consideration all of the quick changes really that have happened since the pandemic broke out. So basically the information that you're reading in the Alice report at this point in time is unfortunately most likely exacerbated um, in our communities. So uh, just talking about food insecurity again, um, you know, one of the local pantries recently gave me a statistic that they've seen a 40% increase in people using their pantry um, in the past six months. So, you know, these are the people that are being most affected by COVID-19. And it's very possible that at this point in time, the numbers are higher. But I think at the same time, um, I don't want people to come away from this report thinking doom and gloom and, oh, we're sunk. <laughs> it's so um, hard not to. Though. I'm just being, it's I don't so know. hard not to. Yeah. But at the same time, um, if we do look at that last page that you were just referencing, uh, it's a, a really nice graphic in the Alice report that goes by different section that if we were able to provide for these Alice individuals, the money that they needed, the impact that it would make. It's, it's amazing. Um, so, you know, there are some tangible goals that we can reach. Um, if we take this data into consideration and can really have a positive impact on these individuals. Um, so these are in a sense, small steps, you know, if we, we take one thing at a time, like childcare or transportation or food, um, deal with those little things, we can have a really positive impact on these individuals in our community. So that's why, for example, yeah, we're doing Harvest House again, because this is what our community needs right now. It's an easy way to just say, hey, you know, if our community can throw a couple bucks in the till, all those dollars can be combined to really support the need in our community right now. Um, so, yeah, it's hard to look at the data, but also when we do look at the data, it gives us a tangible goal to reach. And I think that the Valley community is so close-knit and is so um, 
ready to support each other that we can do this if we work together. All right. That I'm glad uh, I asked that question because it is important to end on a positive note. Uh, you know, and push a, push aside my low grade depression, which I think is just the, <laughs> the phrase of the decade, low grade uh, depression. So, yeah, this is it's hugely important issue. Uh, it's 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 bigger than us all. And I want to thank you and the uh, United Way and the Valley United Way specifically for uh, providing this information, a baseline we can all work off. That's hugely important. So. Mm -hmm. uh, Becca, thanks again for coming on the podcast. Uh, I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, please keep the, uh, the emails coming, uh, and I'll try to, you know, uh, retweet and all that good stuff as much as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's always great talking to you. <laughs> all right. Take care, Becca. Thank you. All right, so that was uh, Becca Toms from the Valley United Way, and uh, that's it for this recording of Naval Gazing. Essentially, we did it live. Here's the uh, outro music. <laughs> Our lives.